Hello everyone and welcome to the New England Dispatch. Uh, we're going to try a little something different here. We're going to list out the topics that we're going to discuss beforehand and we're going to try to hit them all. We're going to uh, converse naturally, but hopefully we get to them. We're going to do uh, the main topic of the day, the Trump indictment, uh, the PGA Tour versus Live Saga, and the Supreme Court voting rights issues. These are uh, my fellow hosts, Tom Holman. And Kyle Hughes. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. So, uh, let's lead, I suppose, with the news of the day, the Trump indictment. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? My thoughts? So, well, I think it's interesting. I think one of the biggest, or the one of the most interesting things is the reaction of Trump's people. I, I think they all kind of know he's kind of screwed at this point. Because even Bill Barr, who, to be fair, at the end of the administration wasn't the biggest Trump fan, but he's still, uh, you know, a big Trump He wasn't person. the biggest Trump fan when it came down to time to save his own ass. Yes, correct. That's when he left. That's when he stopped. But even him, he was going on Fox and saying, like, listen, like, no, this is real. Like, this yeah. isn't, uh, I think his exact quote was something along the lines of, like, listen, it's like, dude, it are a ton of things politically motivated against Trump? Sure. Have been trying to get them to be in jail forever? Absolutely. Did previous witch ha hunts happen? Sure. But like, no, this one, if it's half true of what they're saying, he's completely screwed. So the front page of the Herald had, like, a giant picture of Joe Biden, like, after the Trump indictment was announced. Um, I think it was yesterday, actually. But uh, they had a giant picture of Joe Biden and his son on the front of the paper. And it said, what about Joe? And, and I, that annoys the hell out of me because it's like, just, um, if, he, if he did something wrong, prosecute Hunter Biden. But it has nothing to do with the fact that Trump was... In the open, retaining documents, like, we saw the search warrant a long time ago. We know that they searched his place, and he still had documents that they were looking for. It, it's the typical po political whataboutism that really defines our time. And it's so frustrating. It's like, no, can we acknowledge that keeping documents in the bathroom is okay. wrong? And can we all, also acknowledge that if Hunter Biden bought guns and drugs illegally, that is wrong, too, or accepted government money or whatever they're accusing him of. It, it, it's, it's One has nothing to do the, with right. the other. They, they, don't, they, they can coexist and both be wrong. And, and it's just kind of weird that all these things happen. There's no indictment. There's no like grand jury for any of that stuff because it doesn't actually exist. Right. They, because they can't prove it. They've been investigating them for five years. Yeah. yeah. How many know? committees do we have to have a weaponization against government and all that? It's like, sure. And if you find a smoking gun, sure. There's a lot of nothing burgers coming out of all those. Yeah. It, it, it is one of the things where I think now this is, uh, I believe in the indictment, though. So none of those documents are from when Trump's lawyer originally gave over, I think it was 34 of the original documents, that when they asked for them and they gave them, none of those documents are in the indictment. It's only from when they uh, actually searched Mar-a-Lago. Those are the only documents. So if he just, like, gave them up and was like, oh, yeah, oopsie, I took them, right. everyone probably would have, like, brushed off and, like, okay, we know you're a crazy person, whatever. But he had to keep them, and then he had to show them, and then he had to tell people that he had them, and that they were secret, and that he, he didn't declassify them. He specifically said in the recording that, oh yeah, these I could have declassified them, but I didn't. Like, this is secret stuff. And I'm like, how can you look at that and be like, he's not, like, he's guilty. Like, it's, that's it. It's amazing, yeah. I want to sort of switch gears. You know, obviously, you're still talking about the indictment. The one thing that's fascinating to me is the two most two foremost Republicans in politics right now that aren't named Trump are Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell has said nothing 
he's been he said he wouldn't comment he said he yeah. wouldn't comment on uh the current political candidates which he's not a poli- he's not a current political candidate well, he's a he's former s- president who you've been backing and like because it's smart but, because but, it's a good political ploy but it's so cowardly especially from the point of view that these people are you know this is these are lies like the least you could Trump do is is clarify care. that <laughs> right it's 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 ridiculous, but the least you could do if you're a decent person is clarify, like, Tom? it looks... I know, I know. <laughs> but but he, how do we elect these people? Who, it, who are you assholes who are voting in Mitch McConnell? But here's the thing. Kentucky. Here's the thing. Elected officials should actually not comment on ongoing investigations. Unlike Kevin McCarthy, who I'm most outraged about, who literally sat there and said, the Mar-a-Lago bathroom door locked is what the man said about him having me? classified documents. He said it's okay because the bathroom door locks. Have you ever walked into a bathroom and yeah. someone was in there? It's like, are you kidding <laughs> Those me? doors lock too. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I understand you're being critical of McConnell. Give me McConnell saying I won't comment. That to me says a thousand things. As opposed to Kevin McCarthy who sat there and said, oh, the bathroom door locks. What? Well, I, I think it's one of the things where I think just it just sort of goes to, to the grip of Trump on the Republican base. Because even when they know he's wrong, like, the best thing they can do is just silence. Because as soon as they criticize him, they're going to start getting hit from every which way. Which is incredible, because we're during a presidential primary, and none of the Republican candidates, except for Chris Christie, who doesn't really count, <laughs> uh, um, you know, is really hitting him on at all. Like, you could, this is could be such a slam dunk win. Apparently today, I think Nikki Haley made some like Tim Scott also some did. So, like some slight insults and yeah Tim Scott mm-hmm. and then um actually I think Ron DeSantis also maybe made a couple well, jabs but like they I, won't I go actually, after him and, and they've all said that it's a witch hunt and politically motivated and and whatnot. The thing that I find fascinating is and it's not much but there's a pretty stark difference between the Senate and the House in the way that. There are some House senators, notably Mitt Romney, that's not surprising. But even John Thune, who's like the whip, basically said these allegations are very serious and they should be investigated. And there's not a lot of people in the House that are saying that. And I find Trump's grip on the House to be much more, much stronger than his grip on the Senate. Because the Senate are supposed to be the adults. So, you know, the, the House is supposed to be the hot, fiery passion, and then everything's supposed to cool off in the Senate. That, that's sort of how the way of the politics has been for a long time. And you kind of expect the senators to be a little bit more, I, I don't want to say just politician-y, but politician-y in yeah. their answers and what they do versus the House, you kind of expect a little but bit more radical. Yeah, not great, but even, even giving them benefit of a doubt and, like, let's say non-Republicans. Like, at least, like, a little bit more directed and a little bit more passionate, I would say, versus the Senate, which is a little bit more uh, uh, controlled and, and trying to, like, give the air of, um, you know, seriousness. But there's, well, there's another reason, too, which is when you're in the House, you just have to win your district. When you're in the Senate, you have to win your entire state. So you're winning a much bigger, broader electorate. You have to get independents. You have to get, you know, people like that. So they have a much wider view. They're kind of looking at what would the independents and moderate Democrats even maybe say. And they have to kind of do that. So I find those contrasting differences to be interesting. And what outcome are people expecting? What, what happens when he... 
I mean, I can't see him being found innocent. Well, so here, here's the, here's the the game plan, which I would assume it's they're waiting on the court because what's I I think best case scenario for Republicans uh, again, if you are a Trump loving person, is this is going to take the trial at least a year to get going, and that's assuming Trump doesn't try to delay his proceedings for whatever reason, which he will, which he will try to do it, which he will try to do everything he can, whether it's uh, uh, switching districts or uh, uh, trying to get a mistrial for uh, for whatever reason it is um, that uh, uh, that it's delayed and then he's the president and then you can't indict a sitting president and you can't, you know, uh, uh, basically jail a sitting president. And then you just get those four years and by then everything is, I don't know, in hellfire or something. Uh, and then, you know, or Jesus has come back. I'm not really sure, whatever. Or, And then that's it. But also they don't really think more than like three weeks ahead. Why don't the other candidates start hitting back against uh, Trump harder? Because they I can't. Mean, but how big is his base? Like, I don't think anyone has a good uh, grip on how big his base is. No, he has thirty. He has thirty percent uh, of the Republican base, and he will no like no one can convince them otherwise that Trump is not their man. That they will ride or die with him. And because there's like fifteen other candidates, that thirty percent brings him up enough. That you know he will he will win any race when there's 15 candidates. If it's one on one, people start having a shot. But I'm saying, why don't those Republicans go after that other 70 percent of the Republicans? Well, like, why don't they go for for the group? This, that... this this is the problem that, and this is to his credit, whether you like him or not. This is what Mitch McConnell has been trying to say. The pro the problem with Trump is those 30 percent. That's a Republican primary, right? So so any vote, any yeah. other candidate. You're screwed. But then Trump gets in a general, and he loses. His candidates get in generals, and they lose. So McConnell's tried to make this point for three years, that the Republicans really need to start looking at other people. And people like Lindsey Graham are like, we can't, because we need that 30% to turn out. I mean, McConnell's not being very very forceful pushing him out, though, either. Because, because, because be it's careful. an awkward spot. The party's got to yeah. unite and say, like, this is nonsense. I, I but, mean, but it's embarrassing. Because, he, because the other part is... How do you stand up to those... How do you go up there and defend things that sure. are bold-faced lies? Yeah. Because, constantly. again, 30% of ride or die, probably another 40 to 45% uh, of the Republican population are not really with Trump, but they're fine with him. They like some stuff. They don't like other stuff. But they're just fine with him. Uh, but they don't really like the other candidates. Um, and then the other twenty percent are the you know never Trumpers or like Mitt Romney and stuff that can or the more moderate type people. But that thirty percent is driving so much of the conversation uh, within the Republican Party that it's drowning out all other noise because nothing else matters but that. And I, I think it's important to note that there are two ways to spin the Trump thing during the next the last election, right? You could say. What, what do you mean by Trump thing? So you could say that he got killed which is true. But you could also say that he got 74 million votes, which is the second well, most of any candidate in the U.S. Well, he lost out of the uh, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, um, like the, the swing states that swung over to Biden. He won by like 70,000 votes on those three states. Biden won. Yeah. Biden, no, but I'm saying like, yes, sure, he did win by 9 million more votes overall. Right. But in those three critical states, he won by, and Wisconsin, I think Michigan too. He won by fifty or seven, seventy or fifty 
thousand votes. So that means that those five right. states are so crucial that any little blip can just flip those extra ten thousand people per state, and Biden loses. And that's why McConnell knows they're in trouble because it is so close, but at the same time, he just keeps losing. So they're in an awkward spot whereby he's not losing by wide enough to make a huge change, but he keeps losing. Yeah, he's just, uh, I, I don't, like, again, he, if he goes the general, he's going to get killed, and unless Biden, I don't know, dies, has a heart attack or a stroke or something like that, um, and is not physically able, as long as that doesn't, something like that doesn't happen, I, I think Trump would defeat, I mean, uh, the I, Biden would defeat Trump. I mean, handily. the crazy thing is, I think there was a poll that came out today or yesterday that said Biden and Trump, unfortunately, According to the poll, have the exact same unfavorability rating, which is yeah, crazy. you're at five thirty right now. So what is it? It's, yeah, it's uh, uh, Biden you know, is a morning consult poll had Biden and Trump both at forty two percent. That's a credible poll. That's um, not not but, with Biden and DeSantis. It was forty three percent Biden and thirty nine DeSantis. So I thought that I thought that was kind of interesting because most of the consensus would be that if DeSantis gets in a race, it would be close, but he would beat Biden because of the age thing. I, and I think it's fascinating that that poll sort of says otherwise. I, I think there, there's a lot of weaknesses to DeSantis, though, that, that haven't been exposed. Oh, because I once, agree. once you actually get into the real campaign, you know, start 2024, where you start having debates and primaries, I think DeSantis is going to start say, falling because he doesn't have a real, he has a strong personality. Right, he has the personality has, of a has, wet carpet. All he has <laughs> is anti-woke. It's all it is. It's yeah. like anti-woke, and then that you just keep that on a loop, and that's, that's it. You know what it is? Trump's the charismatic jerk. DeSantis is just the jerk. <laughs> he's the nerd jerk who's just right. evil in the background, but you're like, oh, you're, why'd you talk like this? So it's yeah. fine. You know, it, it, considering, did we talk about the uh, uh, the Twitter um, hangout with Ron DeSantis? That was great. That oh, was yeah. actually, uh, 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 we're talking about, you know, the golden escalator down uh, for Trump when he announced for president is probably like the top one for presidential uh, 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 runs for president. But, like, that's going to be the best one. Sure, you can't see him. It's just via Twitter, and he keeps breaking, and he keeps talking about, like, weird stuff. Like, a, a lot of very nitty-gritty, like, issues, uh, 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 like, tax policies and stuff like that, crypto coins and things. It's just one of the things where it's just like, who is that for? Yeah. So, here's the thing, okay? I didn't, I didn't hear it, I will say. But. Missed out. No I know, it sounds like I did, <laughs> but I have to admit, I have to admit something, right? Everybody makes fun of that Trump ride down the escalator, right? But what happened? Well, you want that's what you want. Well, that's what Kyle was saying. So, it was the yeah. most effect. It was effective. Right. Well, exactly. Well, I think it was that just because it was so silly. Yeah. That no one, everyone just thought it was a joke. Remember, like, remember John Stewart thanked him. He goes, yes, "Thank you." And and something he regretted uh, saying. Yeah. Unfortunately, too, is like he he quit Daily Show right when Trump went to the presidency, which I'm sure he was also very sad, but also very happy about that he didn't have to work that hard yeah. to do all that stuff during the Trump presidency. But it, it be like, when politics become more of a joke than the comedy shows, though, it's almost, it's hard to cover them, you know? Like, I think once, once satire is Satire is dead. Yeah, you can't do satire well, when, when your government is a complete joke, you know? When half the, half the uh, government's lying about the color of the sky, whatever. Well, that, that's the thing, is half of it's because the comedy is funnier in politics now, but the other half of it is politics is much more grave now. So it's hard to do jokes that's about true, it in that yeah. sense, too, right? It's not just 
things are funny, right? Literally, you know, there are politicians that believe the government should be open. Uh, like you're that's losing hard your voting to, rights. Right, um, right, exactly. That's hard yeah, to make jokes what, about. Ten years ago, uh, the Republican Party and everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, gay people are fine now. We need to transition uh, uh, into less identity politics. Was the 2012 postmortem after Mitt Romney lost? There's this whole huge thing of like, we actually need to pivot to the center, and, and we need to Michael get Steele away. was the Republican chairperson. Yeah. A, a black man was the Republican chairperson. And, and it's one of the things where you're like, we need to transition away from like this anti-gay policy. We need to be like okay, you know, immigrants, but, like, have a better border policy so, uh, uh, you know, immigrants can come in, but, you know, they may be a path to citizenship, but we got to, like, fix the border, which I think Democrats would be fine with if they went, hey, you want to lock down the border? Sure, but we give some people a path to citizenship. I think most Democrats probably would have went for I mean, it 10 years ago. Bush's guest worker program now looks like a, a shining star, and people were so critical of it back then. But it's like now compared to today and what we're doing. Well, the fact that like everyone's now, you know, groomers, woke, blah, blah, blah. And it's just one of the things where it's like that didn't exist six, ten years ago. Where did this groomers thing come from? Uh, All of a sudden everyone's training your kids to be like the groomers thing is ridiculous. It's 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 the woke teachers with blue hair. And you're like, no, they're just like, hey, gay people exist. Yeah. And like, hey, mommy, why does that? Why are those two men holding hands? Nothing. Well, they're uh, they love each other like mommy and daddy do. Okay, done. And yeah. then the kid goes, "I want a sandwich," and like that's how you move it on. <laughs> it's not exactly that complicated. Yeah, love thy neighbor as you love your, that of uh, love thyself is in the Ten Commandments, so, right? So, yeah, right. It, it, like that's lo- love thyself. That's, that's not in the Ten Commandments. Bro. What love thy neighbor as? Oh, we'll look it up. That that's what Jesus said. It's not Ten Commandments. Well, it's wanna, a different thing. Yeah. Well, I want to just say this, which is again, we sort of discussed it in the last show. Our, oh, it's in, it, I'm sorry. It's in Leviticus, which is in the same, uh, oh no, the okay. same gospel or whatever as where it says you shouldn't lie with another man. It also says things like if you're on your period, you need to. I think you need to sit you out can't for eat 15 shellfish. days. And uh, you, can't eat shellfish pork. You can't have uh, uh, two different types of threads. And there's all um, sorts of rules about sacrificing sheep to donate to the clergy, and no one's doing any of that. So I'm don't gonna, give me any shit about. My, uh, you know, gay people. So, so I'm gonna be honest. What do you think this is a reaction to? Do you think it's just that there's this untapped sort of I, I don't want to say white rage, but let's go with white because they've been so economically like uh, especially in the middle of the country down south. There's so many I don't want to say economically disadvantaged people that like they're mad about something, but they don't understand why their lives suck. And then someone says it's because of the woke, it's because of the immigrants, it's because of these blue hair people. And then also people on Twitter are so, really annoying. So, like, you kind of understand a little I, bit because they don't think, like, the you know, two steps in. They yeah. think one step in. So I, I actually have an opinion on that. I think it started about ten years ago. I think um, this is in response, honestly, to Occupy Wall Street. I think, I think Occupy Wall Street was so extreme and people were so like defensive about those policies and being called certain mm-hmm. things that they went they overcorrected. So I think it started with the extreme left and then they See, just went uh, nuts and went to the extreme So left. you're saying that the people were so anti Bush back in the Bush years that basically that was the reaction of the right of saying like, hey, all the, the I just want to make sure that I, I'm understanding you correctly. That the people from because the push the push against Bush and sort of uh, uh, the two thousand eight crash. Um, uh, and that response from the left yeah. drove the right exactly. into being this crazy. I think that's wrong. <laughs> I, 
I, I think 2008 was one of the things where you had all these people that saved up money, uh, that, you know, played, did everything right, quote-unquote, and they got completely fucked. Yeah. Uh, they had, uh, you know, their 401ks, their IRAs got completely blown up due to no fault of their own, yeah. due to, you know, subprime-backed mortgage securities and all that jazz. And then, the Black Christmas came. <laughs> and then, every, and I don't, I, cause I disagree with that. I think it was honestly, it was the reaction of, because this country is pretty racist, is that they saw that black president and they fucking absolutely flipped out. It's, I think it was the Tea Party that led it. I mean, if you want to go all the way yeah, back, you go yeah, back, yeah. you go back to Reagan and then, or you can maybe go back to the 1990s Christian revival. Uh, back in the early 90s with uh, Newt Gingrich and taking over the House and sort of pushing those... That's the person, uh, uh, I think. Honestly, I think Reagan it really started with Newt Gingrich. But because... it kind of goes down to, it's is it just religion versus non-religion? Is that what every art, every argument comes down to? Like, if you think about think things so. like global warming, like Republicans just ignore global warming, is it because we're preparing for the future, we're saying the future generations need a clean earth, they're saying we need to get ready for but heaven. You have to understand, though. Like, is that is that well, why? Well, 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 there's a whole evangelical movement that's trying to get the Jews back onto Temple Mount uh, in Jerusalem, which I believe there's a, a large uh, uh, Islamic temple on. So they want to get them back there because that's supposed to start off the uh, uh, Armageddon. Uh, but there's that's a whole evangelical Christian thing down south, which is slightly different, but that is part of it. But but here here's what I I want to get back. But also to. that that also wraps into gay rights and and well, everything else. There's, there's a lot of we don't care about things as they yeah, are but now. We even, can let everything even, go to hell. Even compared to 12 years to ago, though, but, non-religiosity is growing, comparatively. So yeah. they have less power than they did. There's less people, so hypothetically, but so they, think there's less power. But when, you have less, when you're losing power, you tend to uh, fight, more. fight more. But I, I want to get back to the environment, because I want to point to something, though, which is this environment thing is actually fairly new. Because you, you got to remember, you know who created the EPA? Oh, Richard Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. You know who signed the Clean Air Act? George Bush Jr. Ronald Reagan was fairly environmental friendly. Like, th- this is a fairly new... I saw an interview with Hillary Clinton where she was talking about Lindsey Graham. She said that Lindsey Graham would routinely, when she was in the Senate, would routinely talk about global warming and the concerns. So the thing that I find... Fa- or, or, the, the, you know, global warming is sort of the out-of-date term, whatever. The, you know, the, the temperature change, whatever you want to call it. Climate change. It's, yes, well, climate the, change. The, Thank overall, you. the Earth is warming as yeah. total. However, uh, the certain climates in certain areas are changing. So you could get slightly colder temperatures in some places. Uh, but as an average in the Earth, it is going up. And I think we've just crossed the threshold of is either 350 parts per million for carbon dioxide or 400 million parts per million. Which basically means that the Earth is going to get two degrees hotter, or two degrees centigrade hotter on average than it was a hundred years ago. Um, I think what it was though too is like the Inconvenient Truth, which I don't know if any of you saw. It was a very good movie. Yeah, probably. But I think (laughs) what they what Republicans seized on was in their mind, Mm -hmm. Al Gore was a hypocrite, so he was telling Americans to do. All these things to try to save our planet, and they seize the issue of this is a big change that he's pushing for. And Al Gore flies on these private jets, and they cool the ozone, and and they seized on that hip- hypocrisy, 
and just ran with it. But the so, problem is Al Gore has nothing to do with climate change at the end of the day. Right, like, he didn't come up with just it. Just because, yeah, he, <laughs> he didn't, he's not... Exactly. So, so, he didn't make it so up. Fact, so, so one of the things, you got, so for the ozone, so let's go, remember when, back in the, uh, when we were born, back in the late 80s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, the big thing was the hole in the ozone over the Antarctic. That was everyone would talk about. You know why no one talks about it right now? It's because we figured out what the chemicals were, PFCs, that we were putting into all of our refrigerants yeah. uh, and a couple of things, and then we stopped using them. So now the ozone layer is pretty much back to where it should be. Not completely full, but it got a hell of a lot better because we figured out what yeah. the problem was and then we changed it and, in a global market. Like, that's the thing where, like, it is possible to do these things, but we just actually have to put the political will and actually, like, put the money where it needs to go. Is anyone really happy with nothing being done right now? Not me. I mean, I want to make clear that, you know, just because I'm making that point doesn't mean that that's how I feel. No, it's obviously that's, that's what you mean. What, what, right. <laughs> it's like that's 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 what I think they did. And I think you take it forward to Greta Thunberg, and it's like, oh, you have a 14-year-old telling us what to do. Right? And it's like they, they seized on that momentum of this is a rich politician telling you what to do. This is a kid telling you what to do. And it's funny because there's the rich politicians and the business owners who are billionaires who are like, yeah, yeah no, no, don't listen to those people. Yeah, man. right. It's they all... just they just want you because I, it's one of the things where I don't quite understand where the Democrat the liberals concerns and, and left people's concerns are like hey they're going to take away rights for gay marriage they're going to take away rights for trans people they're going to make our environment less sustainable all real actual things that they physically want to do on the right versus the right is like they're going to make all our kids gay they're they're going to they're going to make you know everyone who has a gas stove is going to get executed. There's gonna be no more straight people. Like, no, those are not things that the left actually wants. It's that maybe one crazy. They're person. gonna take all your guns. Yeah, they're gonna take all your guns. Like, where we're like, hey, maybe we should just be like, uh, uh, maybe you should get like hunting licenses or something. And well, then like, like, no, can we do anything about guns? <laughs> Absolutely not, because then it's gonna lead no, to you but, taking but all what, of them. Because it's just one of the things where the concerns of the right are not really founded. And again, because it's three crazy people on Twitter that wow. happen to have blue hair. <laughs> But it's one of the things where it's the difference is it's random people on Twitter who get people canceled, quote unquote, versus people who are actually in power and have money to do things on one side, and then a bunch of whatever weird, weird people on Twitter. But here, here's the thing: that's if you want to take it back a little further, you can take it even back to Rush Limbaugh, right? The the political talking points of the Republicans for twenty years, twenty five years, have been facilitated talk radio. Because Rush Limbaugh got a huge audience, and, you know, Tucker Carlson gets a huge audience, and a lot of the points that Tucker Carlson runs with on his show, you know, what else runs with him? The Republican politician, just like with Limbaugh 25 years ago. It's kind of amazing, because that's Kyle's point, which is, this is not what they want to do, but this is what drives the ratings of what used to be the Rush Limbaugh show, the Tucker Carlson show, and somehow they've become electable talking points. Just to go on abortion, like, think about it. As soon as Roe v. Wade, the, the number one thing the Republicans have been complaining about since 1976 or 77 or whatever Roe v. Wade happened was to get Roe v. Wade overturned. And they finally did it. And what did all the Republicans do? Crap their pants because, oh, shit, yeah. now we actually have to do the policies that we said we wanted, but now we actually can do it. And that's not really popular, other than, the, other than the 30 or 40% that we always get voted for that. So 
But the fact that they just all crapped their pants and they didn't want that to happen, and now they're like, oh, yeah, no, 15-week abortion ban. Versus, like, they want to completely but ban they're it. Still, yeah, they're still going. No, no, the people are trying to, but every well, time Lindsay they Graham do... tried to do a national, a nationwide but, abortion. But, like, that was uh, the man. most unpopular because, thing he's probably done. Yeah. Here's the thing, because they have to now. And, and like you said, they want it to be, and, and I keep talking about a, a guy who's dead, but they wanted it to be a talking point on Rush Limbaugh, on, on Hannity, on, on, on uh, Tucker Carlson. They wanted them to hear it, so it'll drive up the donations. Ooh, this is going to happen. They didn't want it actually overturned. They wanted yeah. to raise money to complain about it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then as soon as now, now that's all that fury is on the left now, they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> now they're like, because they know as soon as they touch abortion, they're going to get blown the hell up. And now instead of doing abortion, actually I think the Roe v. Wade thing probably led into the into the groomer, into the, in, into the uh, trans sort of panic that's going on, because now they can't complain about that anymore because they got it. And now they're like, we, we need another boogeyman. When it's like, okay, was it, uh, uh, it... One of the big things they keep saying is there's a chart somewhere that says, you know, 20% of, uh, of uh, Gen, uh, Gen Z are, you know, bisexual, uh, trans, lesbian, gay, whatever, LGBT. Uh, and it's one of the things where it's just like, yeah, that just means that like 19% of those people are bi. And then the other 1% are this still the gays, the lesbians, the trans. We're just... That was, like, the general, what everyone was before that. It's just people were more accepting. We're like, if you're, fr- like, think about it. In high school, when we were in high school in 2004, if one of our friends came out gay, we probably might be friends with them, but we still maybe would have treated them a little bit different, being realistic. And it probably would have been worse in the 90s or the 80s versus now when kids come out, they're like, okay, and no one cares. Yeah. Well, I had gay friends when I was younger. No, what I'm saying, but, would, but, but think, like, but there were gay kids in our school that were very, were very bullied because they were gay, but that happens a lot less now, generally, in yeah, schools yeah. compared. Yeah. yeah. You think, then, what was it, Bill Ricca? Did you hear about the Bill Ricca? That was Burlington. Oh, Bur- yeah, Burlington. Burlington. Um, what happened? Oh, sorry. Uh, so, in Burlington, they were, uh, uh, some kid, students were protesting, um, basically, Pride Day or, or Pride Month, and they were just yelling at students. Other students yelling at other well, students. They, I think they defaced all the, the, they had, like, a, a pride oh, All the display. Pride flags, yeah. And um, they were chanting things like, uh, probably something. Oh, uh, we identify as USA and like all this other stuff. Like, well, where is is that? Is that a direct line from Trump? Is that? No, that's a direct line from just right wing media. And then what happens is because uh, uh, when you're a young, when you're a 13 year old, you love <laughs> edgy things and sort of uh, a lot of things in the internet. As someone who goes on the internet way too much. Uh, and was part of, like, you know, I wasn't directly on 4chan myself. But I was on, you know, I know of 4chan, you know, uh, Something Awful, all those terrible, terrible sites where uh, the people who kind of look into that stuff get into there. And then what happens is when you're in those spaces, it's okay to be edgy. So what you do is you do, uh, you know, uh, uh, gay jokes. You do racist jokes. Uh, you do uh, uh, basically uncouth things was not PC because you think it's fun and edgy. And then what happens is it's generally most people are But as you go on, that starts seeping into some people where that's not a joke anymore. They're not being sarcastic. It's, you know, serious irony, uh, which I think is one of the things which happening now because uh, a lot of these people on the internet just go, say racist things, and then, like, wink, and be like, no, I'm totally not racist. Wink. Uh, when they're just saying racist, racist things, but they because they winked at it, oh, they can't be racist. Um, so it's just one of the things where, where especially the online uh, explosion uh, of sort of, social media content everything it's just making that i don't think half those kids really if you talk to them they wouldn't care well it's a middle school i 
everything. Right? Yeah, exactly. Which is the prime age to grab those boys and yeah, grab those kids. Yeah. Because that's when you're the dumbest. Well, right, I'll, I'll say I agree. It's when they're most impressive. Yeah. Right? So it's like you kind of grab them. Why don't we take a break real quick? Because uh, we kind of went on a little bit of a tangent there uh, about some other stuff. So why don't we just take a break right now and we'll come back and we'll discuss the uh, PGA and live uh, situation as well as uh, the Supreme Court uh, voter rights decision. So thank you very much and hold on, everybody. Okay, so we're actually going to switch it up now uh, because in between the break, we actually had this great conversation about trans issues, which I actually have some disagreement on. Um, some, things we, some things we do agree on, and I think we're, we're pretty open. Obviously, uh, we are all for trans rights. What's yeah. happening right now across the country, Florida, uh, everything is happening out there. There are some niche issues that I think we do disagree on. And I know one of the things that we were talking about before uh, is just sort of a lot of people just don't get transgender people. And which I, find, I think is fine getting it, but I think even long as you like talk to people and be like, as we were saying, gender is a social construct. <laughs> well, I think sex I think, is it. Sex, 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 sex is biological, but gender is a social construct. We spend so much time fighting with one another about identity, about titles, about naming. Are you things. a Republican or a Democrat? Uh, just, are you liberal or conservative? But even are like you... man or fe- like, who cares? Like we we talk so we spend so much time. Well, delving let, into let, it. Let's sort of get into um, the, but let's get into the you, topic, though. Yeah. But, but so one of the things that we were talking about before that, uh, that was just a little side rant because we wanted to just sort of lead into what the topic we were going into, uh, is uh, transgenders uh, in sports. Uh, specifically, I, I assume you wanted to get into um, uh, male transitioning to female sport athletes going into female athletics. Right. I, I assume that's what yeah. you're that uh, um, And it's one of the things where that is is the one thing where I am. It depends on a lot, but I think the implications for it, though, if you are the person who wants to ban transgender females into female sports, um, there are a lot of potential issues with that. So, like, so for one, uh, sorry, Dan, why don't you explain your position a little bit more in depth, and then I'll go with what I see are issues, even though I don't necessarily disagree with you, but just things that I would, if you're going to do it that way, there are going to be a lot of issues that you're going to have to. So you're right, but my basic sentiment is like, biologically, we are constructed different. So if you, even with the treatments, the biology, the biology is still there. So you have issues when it comes to like wrestling or racing, or that is an issue that I find to be complicated. Because if you're competing for scholarships or for, you know, placement in future races, whatever, I think that it is unfair. I think it's not the U.S. government's place to be worrying about, like, three athletes in the country who are playing men's, who are playing uh, women's sport. I mean, what are the numbers? The numbers are absurdly low. Like, shouldn't it be up to the states or the, the athletic we have the MIA in Massachusetts. So it's uh, yeah, but they get the directions having, from the government, though. Right, like, but they don't need to. They also set their own guidelines and rules. And as far as this goes, like so, it shouldn't be in the hands of politicians. It's gotten out of control. So, so my question with that is, so <laughs> it's being used as a political yeah. tool to uh, yeah. basically say that trans people. So 
I, I guess here's my real two points. I think, one, no one, it doesn't actually matter. Like, this is, in terms of tr the transgender debate, if you want to call it that, uh, issues with transgender people, that's a relatively minor issue. And I think that issue, uh, whether through things like uh, Joe Rogan ha has been a big thing about it, uh, has done talk about it quite a bit. Uh, um, and a lot of other, especially conservative uh, people, have gone into that, and that's sort of their hitting point for it. Now, whether or not they're right, but that's the way they generally hit it, because no one ever talks about trans men, and it's usually just transgender women. But it's one of the things where, yes, it is kind of unfair. Fair enough. Um, it's a little bit different if you transition early enough, but that's not going to be able for a lot of people who are, you know, most people don't want to transition or can't transition until they're older, so that's going to be different. And the other part is that, so how do you check if someone's transgender? Well, real quick, I want to get into the first point, because that, that is certainly a fair point. But I think this is part of the problem with debate in the country, is this is such a nuanced issue that there are people that use this for As an excuse to just be a total bigot. Mm -hmm. But then the other side just is, well, we can't talk about it because those people use it as a bludgeon. But it's like, and it's like it's a very nuanced issue that you should be able to discuss somewhat fairly. I think so, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's really an issue. How's that? I don't think it's an issue at all, actually. I think it's... it's, it's Will about, it happen? Sure, but does it really matter now? Right. It doesn't make any difference. Does it change anyone out there's day? Like, maybe well, some... It would change some, the... You know, but... Well, the what? person who it would cost the scholarship. Well, one person... So one person out there well, is getting screwed. Do you know how many other things are going on where way more people are getting screwed? Do you know how many way more significant things are happening? Like, people well, get scholarships for a million different reasons. I know it sucks, right. but... At the end of the day, who cares? Like, it's not that it's not the government's place to even so, uh, interject but, themselves into that. I but, think. But, but let's but let's say I, I want to give Dan, again. Obviously, I'm gonna give Dan the benefit of the doubt because uh, uh, again, he's not coming at this place from pace from hate, but he does have concerns which I think are legitimate concerns. Yeah. My question is, how do you determine if someone is trans? That's, I think, I think you have to go with their self identity, which what they identify. So then, you have to so then there's no issue. Yeah, then there's no issue. <laughs> but 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 again, I, I I don't know what to do about it. Now again, is it the biggest issue in the world? No, absolutely not. And like I said, honestly, there are more important more important trans issues. I'm much more concerned about trans people getting discriminated against in general life than I am about this one small issue in sports. But it is something that I just can't quite get there on and honestly I want to make this clear if somebody is more educated on this topic and love to would hear like you. to talk about it I would love to be more educated That's, on the topic because it is the one thing that is the one again not I don't want to say sticking point but one thing I, I haven't heard a very convincing argument from uh, uh, people either on the left or just within the transgender other than the, other than the whole it doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter. Yeah. which it, it is true uh, but there is the little sort of earworm of like, okay, like, but there is a difference. Like, let's go with like, but it comes down to, are you going to start blood testing them? Are you going to be like genital uh, inspections? Yeah, are you be genital inspections? Like, that's what they were proposing in Florida, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah which is, that is obscene. And yeah. you're worried about pedophiles and you're suggesting right. we do. Uh, up in Canada, up in Canada there, actually, there's, yeah, a, there's a big hubbub because uh, in, there was a, a, a track event going on for nine and 10 year olds. And one girl had short hair. I so one of the uh, one of the grandfathers was yelling that he wanted to inspect her genitals. She was because nine she, because she thought he was a guy. First of all, it's a nine year old. So did he get thrown into jail? No, 
He should have. <laughs> well, he didn't do it. He just no, no, no. He was him. yelling that yeah. it should have happened. And he had right. to stop the event. Which oh is God. terrible. Which is terrible, but it, it's just one of the things where it, it, it's... Because of the conversation, you're right, it's so sensitive, but people, me, us in general, aren't like well off enough to... Or not, yeah. don't understand the issues well enough to really go in depth and about the nuance about it. And also, like you said, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is it's a, it's used as this tool. It's like... Uh, a bludgeon. Because but, but, yeah, it, it's used as a bludgeon and really it's it's like four people. It, it's it's so minor. It, it's yeah. There but, might be one but, athlete... But and... to be fair, I don't know that we should throw out four people. We don't actually know the number. And I think that It's very, very small. It, it is small, but we don't, we don't know the number for high school and college athletes. And I think that you, again, it's a small issue, right? But it so, so my question is, what, what if they go? What if they go into the end? They're bad at school. Huh? No, no. Yeah, let, right. So, so let's say, like, let, let's go with like obviously, like if I transitioned into a woman, uh, into in high school, and I was able to keep my high jump, I would have been probably the top top five woman high jumpers in high school. So I know I understand there's a difference, but like, so Massachusetts. But what if I was bad at it? <laughs> Massachusetts, according to Fox News, who's criticizing it, um, has a policy that um, the MIAA set this policy, so the Athletic Association, mm-hmm. um, that Those you go by the gender you identify with in, in school. Yeah. And consistently. And let me be it's clear. that easy. And, and Tom, maybe I should have made this point a little more upfront. That's the way it should be. If the MIAA rules it, then I'm fine. I think that's fine. That, yeah. But I, I just... To me, it's just it's just a little bit of a nuanced issue. It's not a huge issue, but I do think, in terms of safety, in terms of speed, I, I do want safety a little bit less. But in, in ter- like I said, if you want to talk about fairness, I guess maybe. But again, it's one of the things where. But that's what I'm saying. If a trans athlete is still bad at their sport, <laughs> yeah, it like are they, are it they, like is it really going to make it? A doesn't make them automatically good, <laughs> yeah. right? But I'm just saying it's. And I remember, look, there's a couple, well, one of the big things was guys playing uh, girls' sports, because I know there was issues before with... If, like, volleyball. There's no well, men's volleyball, yeah, so I could, I, could have, I could have joined volleyball. Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about joining volleyball um, to do it, but, it, like, that was going to be a whole thing. Yeah, guys' uh, volleyball would have been fun. That would have that been true. I would have joined that. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. But, like, at that time, but, like, it's still fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... And, by the way, when I say I wouldn't have, it's because I don't like the rules. That's true. That is true. Well, you guys want to move on to LIVPGA? Sure. Let's I go. do. Let's take another short break. Okay. We're going to take a short break and we'll come right back afterwards. <laughs> okay. So now we're, we're going to get to a topic that I have a very uh, strong opinion about. Uh, and that is the Live Golf versus the PGA Tour. So anybody that hasn't heard Basically, Saudi Arabia's interest in sports has really grown, and it's a way that the Crown Prince, or MBS, sees its way into entering back into mainstream society. I mean, not that Saudi Arabia went anywhere, but to become sort of more mainstream and accepted, they want to lure away American and international sports. They've done it with F1, yeah, uh, soccer, soccer. soccer. But the... Uh, the big money y- Yasser Amin, who is second in command to the Crown Prince, really fell in love with golf. So he decided that he 
wanted to do, but I was trying not falling, was make a tour for the Saudis. Now, their main target in this tour was Phil Mickelson, who most everybody would know. And they seized on something that Phil sort of figured out, and I will say he was partially right about it. He figured out that the PJ Tour, although compared to most you and I, uh, compared to athletes, the PGA Tour was being drastically underpaid. And in his mind, the tour was sitting on a chest of money, and it was money that they weren't paying attention to. It's true. Right? Yes. So he decided that the best way to fix this would be to co-start this live bubble. He learned away some of the biggest stars in the game. He learned away Dustin Johnson, who most people would know. For those who don't follow golf, he's married to Paulina Gretzky. But most people would know because he's an excellent golfer. They learned away Bryson DeChambeau, who's a very big name in the sport. Some veteran European players like Lee Westwood. And he also a lot of like mid, yeah, mid-level players, Yeah, and then they too. also very smartly went after And then they got, of course, Brooks Kepka, who's a big star now, who's still winning majors. He just won the last major now. And that's how a lot of this began to change. So the PGA decided they well, went and, out after a lot of mid players, too, which was smart because that's how you build it. And, and just for reference, they paid Phil Mickelson $400 million, which is more money than he has made his entire PGA career. Yeah, and there's a lot of rumors, not again rumors, I'm just saying that Phil has had some gambling issues, and this was a good way of getting, and they paid mm-hmm. Dustin Johnson $150 million. Bryson, a hundred million, lot, lot of guys. But just again, again, just for reference, like that, Phil Mickelson has been one of the best golfers for the last thirty years, and he made more money doing this than thirty years of golf at PGA. <laughs> and I want to, I want to also be clear that these are their contracts, so th- they're contracted. They essentially make a hundred million a year. Phil does, yeah. and he's contracted to play. Or it may have been a two-year deal, so maybe even two hundred uh, a year to play in tournaments where he can then earn more money. Higher purses. They went up. The winner got the winner of the first live tournament got more than the winner of the Masters. That's not including their contract. So the PGA Tour decided what they were going to do, and this was mainly led by the commissioner Jay. I'm a spineless foot Monahan, and Rory McIlroy, who again most people would know, and Tiger. They decided that they were going to take a stance against the Live Golf Tour, they used moral stances, and they also said... Saying it was Saudi blood money. Right, it was Saudi blood money. Initially, the, the Live Tour was eight events with no cuts, meaning that everybody plays the weekend. On the PGA Tour... They said, have you ever had to apologize for yes, playing in the they, PGA they Tour? Uh, meaning for the families of the 9-11 The victims. 9-11 victims, yeah. yes. But on the PGA Tour, you you have what's called a cut, which is you have to hit a certain score to play the weekend. It's seen as like real competitive golf. On live, they did away with that. Okay? So they took that stance, but they they had a meeting and they said, we need to make our product better. Because one thing that we've got right, the PGA Tour has a lot of members. It's got like 400, 300 members. I'm not sure the exact number, but the PGA Tour has a lot of members. They said, we have to figure out a way to get our superstar players. So I'm going to name some names that some people may know, some people may not. Jordan Spieth, Paul Morikawa, uh, 
Justin Thomas, Rory. We have to figure out how to get these players to face each other more. So this is when they figured out the concept of the elevated event, which means that they all got together in a meeting and they said next year, in response to Liv, so Liv started in 2021, so next year in response to Liv, we're going to have uh, 18, uh, sorry, I think it's 17 events where the purses are going to be raised. And we're going to try to guarantee the best players in the world. Generally, this has been a success for the PGA Tour, and it really has become the PGA Tour versus Live Battle. Well, then the majors start. The majors, of course, for again, those who don't know, are the four biggest golf tournaments of the year. They're the Masters, the British Open, the U.S. Open, and the PGA Tour. The Masters, of course, is the biggest one of all. John Rahm, a PGA Tour member, won the Masters, but Brooks Kepka, who is a live golf member finished second, and Patrick Reed, who is also a live golfer, finished in the top four. And all of a sudden, the public sort of remembered, hmm, these people don't play on one tour anymore. And we're getting these major tournaments where they're facing off against each other, and it's very compelling. But also, the PGA uh, banned, so just uh, when they when the live golf tournament first came around, they banned all of the live right. members from participating in any PGA yeah, they would get fined. They, they, they literally could not play they, because they were under penalty from Liv, but also Jay Monahan said, you can't, there's no path back. So and then all, one year later. So all of a sudden, they realize, hey, this is kind of compelling. And they kind of keep that in the back of their mind. And at, a little bit after the Masters, he gets approached by this guy, Jimmy Dunn who's a third member of the PG Tour, gets approached by this Yasser, the crown prince, and he says, hey, what do we got to do to change this and unite? Now, this is after Jay Monahan has taken the very public stance of saying that that is blood money, that that is atrocious. Right. I, I lost two people in 9-11, said Jay. And that's offensive to and, me. And the players are never coming back. And the players are never coming back. And, and Rory McIlroy has been a spokesman on this. He has been very critical of the event. There's an event called the Ryder Cup, where USA and Europe face each other. He said under no circumstance would he welcome those events. There's a famous golfer who's on live named Sergio Garcia. Rory and Sergio were best friends. They are not anymore. Because Rory took a stance. And Rory is the face of the PGA Tour, aside from Tiger, who obviously doesn't play much these days. He's kind of the face of the active PGA Tour. So after the Masters, they were sort of approached, and they'd begun to talk. They'd begun to play a little golf, but it was kind of off in the distance. And but also, meanwhile, Live Golf had stopped publishing their TV ratings. The television they... ratings. But the thing about that, and, and that's a good point, but they don't care. Because they'll just throw more money at it, and they'll just the the live thing. But it was, wasn't it wasn't succeeding. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't it was succeeding in the sense of again they would argue it was succeeding more worldwide, and they would argue that the attendance showed some success. But it's debatable how much. It weren't was they succeeding. on the CW? They were around here. They were. And yeah. the, the, let's put it this way: in the United States, it was unquestionable that the PGA Tour was winning. But they would make the argument they were going more for the world game and the 
crowds turned out well. And, like, they did run an event in Australia this year that had a huge crowd. And also, it's the first year of a new tournament. Like, right. even even if, like, you take all the all the other stuff out of it, it will still take time to catch on to get up to that level. So, even no That's matter how true. much money, it's so, still going to take time. I think it's also important to bring up here, and I did not, this is my fault, that live in the PGA Tour suit each other. Yeah. Basically, Jay Monahan said it wasn't right that Liv tried to encroach, and Liv said that Jay Monahan was building up a monopoly, and that, you know, they could pay the players what they wanted. And I think the truth was that as their court date grew closer, the PGA Tour is supposed to be a nonprofit organization. Right. Okay? I think that Jay Monahan and Lynn both weren't going to love what Didn't want each other f- was going to find in Discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think what happened was they began talks after the Masters, and then the PGA changed. And Brooks Kepka won. So Brooks Kepka, who's a live player, finished second in the Masters, and he won the PGA Championship. He is unquestionably a World Golf Hall of Famer. And he is a star. He qualified just to show you. And again, this is a little. I'm going to get a little inside baseball. But he, so he played in two events that qualify you for the Ryder Cup. You get certain points for every event you play on the PGA Tour, and you qualify for the Ryder Cup. But the majors get more points. Brooks Koepka, because he plays on live, played in two events, and he's qualified for the Ryder Cup just based on his play. And basically, uh, Cam Smith, who's also a Live Golf member, who won the British Open last year uh, before he was a member of Live, um, who's also a big star that they got, finished fourth. And uh, Bryson DeChambeau, who's another star, who, who looked like an idiot this past week, saying that 9-11 families need to learn forgiveness. In a CNN interview. And this, just, uh, just say no comment. Just, just, the, fun fact, just say no the comment. Dope. But the meathead. But anyway, he finished fourth. Or have half a burning. So, yeah. So he finished fourth. And this became all the more urgent for Jay Monahan, who decided this isn't good. Now our players are starting to win majors and compete in major championships. And basically, we're screwed because they're not playing on our tour. So what happened was this drew the impetus and Jay Monahan. Apparently, was going to tell people that the PGA Tour had no money. Not the thing is, as I talked about, there's not a whole lot known about it. So, but basically, Jim Monahan said, and Jimmy Dunn, who's the third driver, who's also friends with Tom Brady, Jimmy Dunn comes in and says, "Okay, let's do the deal." They texted Rory McIlroy, the face of the PGA Tour, at 8 a.m. that morning, and said, "We're doing this. We're united." He put Rorna McIlroy, who's been the face of the PGA Tour, calling the PGA Tour the greatest institution. He now has to come in and try to justify this move. So basically, they agreed that starting next year... Now, so why did Rory clear. have to justify it? Because he's the face. Because so, he's the face. But at the same so, time, like he just got screwed so he bad. He did. Yeah. If I the PGA Rory, just screwed over all their players. I would just be... Why would you even make... I don't know why he so, defended the well, decision. I know it wasn't a very wholehearted he, defense. But. It was not. And I was going to get to that. The thing is, he has to play on the PGA Tour. He's not going to go elsewhere. But he doesn't so need to come out and say, like, oh, maybe this was a good... 
Well, because uh, imagine if like Michael Jordan comes in and, and or LeBron James is, and then they like merge some Saudi, um, uh, basketball. Like all of a sudden, like he has to address it because you're the face of the league. Yeah, if if all of a sudden the NBA merged with in in uh, LeBron was like, the chi- the Chinese basketball. Yeah, and like, Le- yeah. LeBron would probably come out and say I'm pissed about this or whoever. Yeah. Who's well, the face of basketball nowadays? That that's but that's but, debatable because LeBron's been I, I, again. Long. But we're we're making a comparison right. yeah, here. Yeah, we're not. Right. It's an analogy. But but the point the point the point that I'm trying to make is Roy had to justify it because he he knew that he couldn't do anything about it, so he had to say, listen, the money the money was going to come anyway. Well, the thing is, he tried to do that, and they screwed him. And if you listen to his answer, he did say, I feel like a sacrificial lamb, which is a very powerful which thing he was. to say. And I thought I did what was right, and I'm proud of myself for that. That's cool. But he said, essentially, you know, the let me put it this way. There are a lot of very anti-love people, and not a lot of them were unhappy with Rory yet. So even though it seemed like he defended them, I agree. He but really, he was in a because well, what else spot. could he do? Right. I know, I know that, but I, I think I don't. Oh, sorry, I don't know why he didn't. I don't. I don't know. I would have trouble going out and being like, uh, yeah, this is, this is fine. Because they have. Because Tom, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. No, we're not. He's playing regardless. He can, if he go out and said that yeah. sucked, that's garbage. Like I'm not happy with this. But that, he's not. He's still gonna play. Are they going to kick well, him out for, be, saying, for saying I disagree with that? To be fair, I'm not sure he knows. The thing is, I'm not sure any of them know what is actually happening, which is the other thing. It's been But you don't need to. All you while. need to know is the league that you've been up against is joining yep. you, and they and you took a stand because of their human rights abuses, <laughs> and now the league gets a barrel of money and they're happy as clams. But my thing is, I, I like they fold it after one year. Like, not this... Oh, it's not a 10-year legal battle, hey... We're starting to it lose people week. in one yeah. year. There was one week between him saying about... You know, no, what I'm saying is one year from when they opened up to when they to when they merged. But I'm saying, it, like, one week before the agreement was announced, Jay Moynihan was saying things like, no one has to apologize. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's that. Just, he was criticizing right, the Saudi let, let, Let's put it this way. I, I don't want to... <laughs> my criticism is not for Rory. My, my criticism totally. is for Jay Moynihan. Yeah. To me, there is no spine, more spineless twit in the sports than that tweet. He literally set his players up, and they got so screwed. All of them. I have Paul Morikawa was the 18th ranked player in the world. You know how he found out about the deal he on did. Twitter. Yeah. What really screwed up was all those mid-level players who could who could have went over to live. Made ten yeah. twenty million dollars or something like that. It's How like, much can Rory have made? Oh God! Well, here, they, here's the thing. Well, is the where's the rumor he, for Tiger for a billion? For eight hundred, eight hundred, eight hundred yeah. million. Yeah. There was a rumor. Rory says he was not offered money. There's some debate about that because he was so critical. But Rory would have made five to six hundred million. I promise you. And the other one who not now this is one that not a lot of people know. But there's a golfer named Hideki Matsuyama. He won the he won the Masters a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, he's a massive star now. And you know what audience is really appealing? The Japanese audience, because as we know from baseball, they follow their superstars around. And if you're trying to build an international league, that's a big face to get. They offered him three hundred and fifty million dollars, and he said no out of loyalty to the PGA Tour. And then what do they do to him? 
Stay strong. That's so, why you never have loyalty to the company you work for. Yeah, and I hate you, to say it, but take the money, man. Because that's it, what it, it gets what, you. Principal stances are great, uh, uh, but sometimes you're just going to be like, if they're going to fuck you over anyway. Mm. I'll always take the principal stance. Yeah, and that's dumb. And but, I'll always be screwed up. You always get screwed up. No, listen, uh, I, I'm <laughs> proud to say that I will too, but it's just... It, it, it's so yeah, but ten ten million dollars is ten million dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> easy to say when you're sitting yeah. here knowing well, money in front of you. Well, my, to be fair, that's what my father said. My father says about it because he's a big golf guy. He says everybody says they won't take the Saudi money. Well, six hundred million dollars. Yeah, is a but lot let's of see money. what well, happens yeah. if they were thirty million dollars is a lot of money. Let's see what happens. Yeah, because yeah, because let's say you're making you know ten thousand dollars a tournament because you come into like you know whatever your seventieth, like, and they're gonna yeah. offer you five million dollars. You're going to take that. As, and, and you don't have to play that hard because you make every well, year. But as a golfer, like, it gets down to shouldn't you guys form your – they should form their own league. If the, P, the PGA is supposed to be the players. Well, weren't like there the rumors league. about that there, a couple there, years there's ago? There's talks – well, actually, there's talks now about them forming a union. Yeah, it was it Tiger and – Well, here's the thing. Man. So they, they're doing – so they're in an awkward spot now. So they do Tiger Woods to compete with Woods because it's associated with the PGA Tour. Starting next year in January, set up his own league with indoor golf matches that are going to occur in prime time. So he's getting different teams and stuff. Imagine if Tiger took that and just formed his own tour. Yeah. I mean, look, he he wouldn't do it. They all feel the thing that's going to kill them is even with Monaghan screwing them, they all feel loyalty to the PGA Tour because it's got the history and it's got, but. If it's Tiger got the pedigree. It's own, got the... Right. If Tiger started his own tour, but it's he'd nothing. Get a mob to play, and you know. But it's nothing, except for the ownership. If you know what I mean. If you don't have any say in it, all it is is an organization. Well, golf's kind of weird like that. So there's a certain appeal, I would say, more than other sports like. Almost like not exclusivity, you, but like kind of. It's like the like, best country. Club. So people kind like of. playing on the country club, the tournament that Ben Holgan won. And they like being on the same trophy as Jack Nicholas, and that's like a big thing to a lot of people in golf. Is they play for sort of the the historical value of it, and that's what the PGA Tour does bring, is it brings those tournaments and stuff. So, you know, it's going to be fascinating. You know, the U.S. Open is this week as we're recording this, and the player responses have been fascinating. John Rahm, who actually might just join Live now says that they all feel betrayed by the management. He came out and gave a very fiery press conference today. Uh, that, you know, sounds great, except he may just wind up joining Liv. So I don't... Because here's the other complication that I want to point out, too. This deal is very monopolizing. So Liv countersued the PGA, claiming they were a monopoly. Legally, they had a decent point. And now yeah. the problem is this deal... Now I deal, know Congress is looking at Right. So this deal is very monopolizing. They're kind of doing what they said the PGA Tour was doing. Because the other thing this includes is the DP World Tour, which is formerly known as the European Tour, which also has big events. Rory plays on that tour. You know, those guys all play on that tour as well. So now you have three major tours joining together, and it will encompass the senior tour, the, the uh, like the minor league tour, don't know what they're calling it now. It used to be the web.com tour, but I'm calling it the minor tour. It, it'll sort of all encompass the nationwide tour, I think it is. But it would all encompass that. And I think that you have... Uh, oh, no, web.com. That's what it is. And there's no web? 
I think so. So it would have, uh, you know, it would all encompass it. But con- the Senate's not happy. And they're looking at it, they're going, you're, so they're looking at both oh, sides. Oh, Corn Ferry. Corn yeah. Ferry. That's yeah. what it is, Corn Ferry. So, you know, I have PGA two, uh, uh, 2021. I probably should have known that because I played it I, a lot. Well, I definitely should have <laughs> known it because I watch golf every week. But here, here, here's the other thing that is sort of interesting. The Senate and the House are not happy with either side, and they're both right, because the Senate's saying to, to live, you guys are doing exactly what you accused the PGA Tour of doing. And they're looking at the PGA Tour going, You're you sat here in my office, for, I think it was Richard Blumenthal, the yeah. senator out of Connecticut, said, you sat here in my office, and said that the Saudis are sports washed, which, for those who don't know, is just glossing up sports to cover up the atrocious human rights violations that occur there. And you sat there in my office to my face and said that there was sports washing, Commissioner Monahan. What are you doing now? And Commissioner Monahan's brilliant response was the reason we're here is because you guys didn't step in. That's what he's saying. Because he, the, the other thing the PG Tour is claiming is they're going to be out of money. Which is a big reason why this infusion is happening. In one year. So yeah, what they're saying is that one one well, to be fair, extremely well-paid uh, uh, tour basically made the PGA go broke in a year. Yeah, because they had to up their... Well, they, again, this is what they claim. There's no way to really prove unless they get a look at their yeah. finances. But they claim because they had to raise the purses for the majors and the elevated events and everything. Uh, you know... They're, they're going to go broke. And it's like, okay, that may even be true, but it's still pathetic. You yeah. sit there and you say, that, oh, it's because you guys didn't step in. Come on, Jay. It, but here's my thing is, what else did they try before? They, like, what was their, you know, besides, uh, uh, you know, going and connecting with them, what was the other tactic they tried I mean, to use to get, like, to, to make the, the ground? You know, this may be Or did crazy. they just go, oh, fuck. We're going to lose money. And they're like, well, let's just do it. Well, this may be crazy, too. And, and maybe this is my, my business not so acumen. But, like, why not? And I know you had to get half it away in the divorce. But why not ask Tiger? Hey, Tiger, can you fund a couple of events or why here? Why don't you cut your like, $14 million salary, Jay Monahan? Yeah, you right. Know, like, yeah, exactly. What? Yeah. Now, to be fair, there is also a board that Jay Monahan has to go through. And they're all cowards, too. Uh, but it's just, it, it, it's just, to me, it's such a sad day. Look, at the end of the day, this is where it gets weird. For the sport, it's probably better. The purses are going to be bigger, and the best players in the world are going to be playing against each other in a more consistent way. But it's just a sad day. So, so my can't co- legitimize. So, so my, my question is, do people who watch the PG like, like obviously the people who are very <laughs> hardcore, but like, does the, the that, average fan is it gonna actually matter? To that's them? a fascinating question because I care, I care very. But much. But you're still gonna watch it. But guess what? I'm gonna watch yeah. it. So, so, so yeah. like, yeah, how good are your morals at this right, point? You know, right, where it's exactly. Like, where you could boycott them, you could just watch everything. You could watch everything, anything else at this point. Yeah, but you're right. still gonna watch it. Exactly. So my thing is, so we can call them cowardly, we can call them craven, we can call them stupid and bloodsuck, whatever. It doesn't matter what we call them. It doesn't matter because we're still going to watch. I mean, the funniest thing is the PGA Tour event this week was the Canadian Open, okay? This Sunday, the Canadian Open, at its high point, 
hit 6 million viewers. That was the highest rating for a PGA tournament in 20 years. Like, it, so it's one of those things. And by the way, the elevated events have also been a success this year. They've also led to huge ratings increases and stuff. So, you know, that's the thing. I, I laugh because Kyle's so right. I sit here and I, I moan and I, because I, I, I hate it. I hate that it's the direction it's going. But in the summer on a Sunday afternoon, it's the only thing on television. And I love it. And I'm going to take a nap to it. And I'm going to wake up and watch <laughs> it. So it, that's yeah. the thing. And that's my dad's point. My dad makes his point of like, everybody crows and bitches. And, but yet, everybody's going to watch it. Most people I would won't. take the money. Yeah, you would. That's true. Well, besides, I mean, what else are business people in polo supposed to watch on their work day? Yeah. If not, for golf well, tournaments. And let, me, and let me be fair. Fat guys who are sleeping, not on their work day. What else are we going to watch? Also, every dad. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, uh, well, thank you very much, Dan. You know, it is really, uh, really great to actually go in a little bit more depth because I understood a little bit of it. And I think Tom probably feels the same way where we understood like the service level, but go sort of in that, that deep, in-depth understanding of it so we understand that we're still kind of fucked no matter the, what the, the other thing <laughs> the other thing that i want to now i might buy uh pga uh, the golf league uh the new one just came out the 2023 Ooh. i don't know why just talking about golf league sounds very i do want to mention one last <laughs> thing too which is for those who haven't seen it although tom puts it here full swing the documentary on netflix is excellent and they're doing a season two and cameras were rolling during the announcement of the so this has been uh, episode two of the New England D- Dispatch featuring Tom Holden, Dan Camo, and Kyle Hughes. Thank you very much for joining us, all my mom. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, and we'll catch you next week. Bye, Debbie. See you on the flip side. <laughs>